Discover a new perspective. God and our dogs. God and our dogs.com. Welcome to God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. Join us online at GodandOurDogs.com. Subscribe, share, and stay. Now here's your host, Meg Greer. Welcome to God and Our Dogs. This is Meg Greer, your host. Our vision on God and Our Dogs is to rely on God the way our dogs rely on us. How does it happen? The same way our other relationships grow. Spending time together, learning about one another, developing trust, and experiencing transformation. Stories shared on God and Our Dogs bring aha moments. We begin to see ourselves from God's perspective. You can find us at GodInOurDogs.com and on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at God and Our Dogs. Check out our posts at hashtag God and Our Dogs. We actually have four guests today. In January, I promised listeners theme packs. Shows featuring similar themes and topics with stories from our previous guests. The theme for today's show is Dogs with Jobs. Our guest today, in order of appearance, Dennis Blocker, author of The Dogs I've Known in Two Wars, Iraq and Afghanistan. Sheriff Al Oksher and Deputy Quaid with the Kendall County, Texas Sheriff's Department. Jill Powell with Canines for Christ, and Cliff Wheeler, owner of Wheeler's Western Outfitters. All our guests have dogs with a job. Some jobs require a formal training, and some jobs result from breeding of the dog. Dogs' jobs are not always clear at first. We begin today with Dennis Blocker, author of the dogs I've known in two wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, as he describes how to find dogs that will be the best fit for explosive detection and other war dog jobs. How do you go about knowing if a dog can handle this kind of a job? Well, that's a good question because there's a lot of money spent for these dogs. Most of the dogs are bought in Europe. And then when we fly them over here, then we've got to test them, and the test goes something like this. You need, one, a dog that has high drive and high hunt, meaning that if you throw a ball, the dog's going to take off after it like a rocket. And then if it can't find it, then it's going to hunt for it, and it won't stop till it finds it. And I'll give you an example. I'll take a dog, and I'll take a ball, and I'll have the dog on a leash on a 2-inch flat leather collar around their neck, and I'll take that ball and I'll throw it as hard as I can in low grass. They're actually on my heel side, which is my left side, and I watch them to see if they're jumping and jumping forward, wanting to go chase the ball. Once the ball slows down, I release the, the dog when he's jumping forward, and then he'll take off. I do not hold the leash. I let go of the leash right away. Because if I hold the leash and the dog takes off and I've not released the leash, it's going to pop the dog on the neck, and the dog's going to think I'm giving him a correction or giving her a correction, mm-hmm. making the dog think, I don't want them doing this. Right. So I've got to be in tune and watching the dog and myself to make sure I drop that leash when the dog takes off. Then when the dog gets the ball, I'm hooping and hollering, yelling, jumping up and down, screaming, like the 4th of July just took place. 
And then the dog come back to me uh, with the ball, and I'll now move to another location in that same area uh, where the grass is a little bit taller. I'll do the same thing again. I'll throw the ball as hard as I can, and then when the dog's jumping forward, I drop the leash, and now I'm watching to see. I'm sorry, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm watching the dog as I throw the ball, and when the ball is almost out of sight, about ready to stop rolling in taller grass, because now he can't see it because it's in taller grass, I'll spin the dog in a 360 circle on that leash, and then once he's facing the direction where the ball was thrown, I'll drop the leash as he's pulling, jumping forward, and now I'm watching for, I'm watching to see is he going to use his eyes to find the ball, or is he going to use his nose? I don't want a dog who's going to hunt with his eyes because we don't want dogs out there, working dogs, hunting for explosives or drugs or bad guys or bad girls with their eyes. We want them searching with their nose on that odor. Once I see the dog now drop his nose to the ground, I'm really happy because now the dog's brain says, I can't see it, so let me find it with my nose. That ball has a rubber scent to it. The dog knows that scent. It also has my skin cells, my scent, my human scent on the ball, so he's actually searching for two things, the, the scent from the ball, the rubber, and the scent from my hand. When he gets to it, again, 4th of July takes place. I'm hooping and hollering. I'm yelling up in high tones. And with the dog world, you want to use high tones. Because if, if, you, if you ever watch dogs play in a group and they're playing, they're always high tones. They're yipping and yapping. And I, as a trainer, have to mimic that, that I'm happy. So I'm yipping and yapping real loud and getting the dog to come in, come to me, and I'm scratching them all over the head, scratching them on the body. And then the next phase of this test, to make sure this is a dog we want to use to make him a working dog, is now I'll take him to the edge of the woods where there's a lot of thick brush. Again, I'll do the same thing. I'll take that ball, and I'll throw it as hard as I can along the ground because it's got to be on the ground because the ground is going to pick up my scent plus the scent of the rubber. I, I know that's hard to fathom, but that dog can smell that rubber. I may have thrown it 20, 30 yards on the ground, and it's rolling. But the dog smells that rubber on the ground and my human scent that's dropping from the ball to the ground, to the dirt or grass. Now, this is short grass because I want the ball to go right in the edge of the woods. So I, when I see the ball has finally stopped in the brush, the thick brush, I'll spin the dog and let him go. He's lunging forward. I drop the leash. He goes. I want to see a dog that's going to go running toward that brush and dive right into it. Mm. And he's moving his paws, pushing brush away, trying to get to that, that ball. Once he gets it, he comes back to me at the 4th of July, hooping and hollering, high tones, scratched him on the head. So that's the initial test I use, most trainers use, to evaluate whether or not a dog is worthy to continue on in training. Mm-hmm. What talented dogs Dennis trains, high drive and high hunt are the characteristics he looks for. If you want to hear more from Dennis Blocker, his show is number 102, and you can find that on godinourdogs.com forward slash listen. We hear now from Sheriff Al Oksher and Deputy Michelle Quaid of the Kendall County Sheriff's Department. They tell us about canine Renee and her job with the department. A couple of years ago, I lost an officer, and um, I knew that one of the most important things I needed to do 
was to, at that time, as soon as I could, was to take care of my own personnel. And so I reached out to my background coming from DPS. I reached out to the peer support people that I knew within DPS and had them here that afternoon. Relating back to that, there's been an awakening, not just through that experience, but through my experience here being a sheriff that, and I think you, you start hearing rumblings either locally or statewide and even, even nationally that, you know, we, we need to take care of ourselves and we need to take care of our own well-being so, so that we can go out and serve those that we are committed to serve and enable to do that. We got to, we got to be at our best emotional and uh, just, just our, our, our psyche. Everything needs to be well about what we are. When we're humans, you know, we do a job that, and we experience things that most people don't experience. And as a result of that, one of my major objectives for the office is to uh, start a program that will support ourselves um, spiritually, emotionally, physically, our own wellness, and starting and implementing programs so that we can um, have our own peer support program put in place so that we have that available to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so Renee is a big part of that. Having, having Renee at the office, I don't know that anybody would argue that dog or a animal, but um, especially a dog, people are so attracted to dogs. And so Michelle came upon some folks that supply these dogs and we um, applied and we have Renee with us today. So yes. what kind of training does Renee have for this program? And what kind of training do you and the other deputies need to have in order to work with Renee? Okay. With Renee, she actually, from when she was born, at nine weeks old, she was put with a puppy trainer. And what they do is they start treating her and handling her a certain way and giving her basic trainings to prepare her to be a service dog. And she was initially... Um, being trained to lead the blind, and a statue got in the way for for poor Renee. She got scared of a statue, so didn't quite make the oh. um, the school for service dog for leading the blind. But worked great for us and our first, our sheriff's office because that's when I was told we have a dog for you. Uh huh. So Renee is learning to socialize now, whereas before, as a service dog to guide the blind, she's not supposed to socialize. And I did have to go to Dripping Springs to the facility to train with her there. And at least once a week, they send a trainer from the Service Dogs, Inc. here. And that trainer works with me and Renee just to see if there's any hiccups, anything going on, concerns. And she stays on top of everything with us to make sure we're moving smoothly along. In three weeks, not three weeks, in three months, I have to test with her. Mm -hmm. to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do because it is a daily training. I take time during my work day, even if it's just 20, 30 minutes, to work with her on her skills, her obedience training and stuff. So in six months, I have to test again. And then in a year is when we do our final testing where that's where we get certified together. Just like us, dogs sometimes are not gifted in their chosen job but can learn to thrive in a position better matched with their temperament, gifts, and skills. If you want to hear more from Sheriff Al and Deputy Quaid, you can find it at show number 116 on godinourdogs.com 
forward slash listen. God and Our Dogs has great sponsors. Kendall County Abstract, Wheeler's Western Outfitters, Cibolo Family Medicine, the Rivers Team with Phyllis Browning, and the Cibolo Creek Vet Hospital. Because of them, we get to give one of our lucky listeners a treat each month. This month, it is a $100 Amazon gift card. So go to our website, godnardogs.com to enter. The winner will be announced there at the end of each month. That's godinourdogs.com for an Amazon gift card treat. This is Ashley, and this is God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer here on Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. Our show is a theme show today about dogs with jobs. We are featuring stories and insights from four of our previous guests. Dennis Blocker, author of The Dogs I've Known in Two Wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, Sheriff Al Oksher and Deputy Quaid with the Kendall County, Texas Sheriff's Department, Jill Powell with Canines for Christ, and Cliff Wheeler, owner of Wheeler's Western Outfitters. We have already heard from Dennis and Sheriff Al and Deputy Quaid. Our next guest is Jill Powell with Canines for Christ. She has two therapy dogs, Molly and Rocco. Let's find out how Molly and Rocco became therapy dogs. Jill, what makes a good therapy dog? I think uh, first and foremost for a good therapy dog is the dog needs to love people and be very comfortable around people because the, the main focus for a therapy dog is to go out and serve others. Um, that's what they're trained to do. So if they're, you know, shy or not too sure around people are not very confident. Um, not that they can't overcome those, but it's just a little bit more of a challenge because we're really wanting the dogs to go and, and seek out uh, people. And a lot of great therapy dogs have that intuition of being able to seek out people that are needing extra love and comfort. That is amazing quality that those dogs have, isn't it? Yes, and that is something that you really cannot train that's been given to them. Mm -hmm. So maybe some dogs, you think they might be good therapy dogs, but it turns out maybe they're not quite so good. Right, and you know, in my own personal home, we have five dogs, and only two of our dogs are fit for therapy dog work um, because the other three, while they're amazing in their individual, you know, characteristics and personalities, um, they're just not... uh, a good fit for what therapy dog work looks like. Well, that's a good place to start our next conversation. And that's about those two dogs that are very good at the, being a therapy dog, Molly and Rocco. So Jill Powell with Canines for Christ, how did those dogs come into your family? Well, Molly came at a time where we were actually making a transition. We had already had one therapy dog in our home and needed to retire her because as she grew older, she got a little more possessive of me, which, you know, that's good in one sense, but not so good in another sense when you're serving others. And so we were just really like, oh my gosh, we were already part of Canines for Christ. How are we going to be a part of Canines for Christ without a dog? But God was very gracious in providing a dog for us at that time. But um, so Molly, a friend of ours and myself, we were out and about. I used to own a little dog training business called Lone Star Pet Express. 
um, we were out kind of marketing for Lone Star Pet Express and um, dropping off brochures and business cards and making our rounds. And we were actually out in the Spring Branch, Texas area. Uh-huh. And we stopped at Strutty's. And there's a dog outside in the hot sun crated outside. And we're kind of like, oh, that's kind of different. So we walked in um, giving brochures and, you know, just saying, hey, here's this business. Um, what's the dog doing out there? Um, and they said, oh, well, we found the dog running on the highway. Obviously needed to get the dog off the highway. Uh, was not chipped. No collar. No one was responding onto their Facebook please. So they were going to turn her over. That was Molly at the time to a shelter that happened to be a kill shelter as well. So obviously you rescued her that day. How'd you find Rocco? Uh, Well, Rocco came to us through um, another nonprofit organization that we're a part of, Hope for Hounds. Um, So obviously we're dog lovers. There's this common theme, I think, that I keep talking about. But um, Hope for Hounds uh, serves uh, people that are experiencing homelessness we provide free vet care for their for their dogs specifically. And we um, had just recently been on a local TV station. And so a lady had called, because one of our long-term goals in that is to be able to uh, foster dogs as well as people get back on their feet. Um, and so she needed to actually rehome seven dogs. Wow. So one of the dogs was Rocco, there was a female, and then there was five puppies. So my husband and I were responsible for pulling the adult dogs out of that situation, out of that home. At the time, we had four dogs already, so we were like, no way, not having five dogs. Um, yeah, let's just say about six weeks after that of us saying, oh, well, we'll just foster him until we can find him a home. The first look, both of us, when we put him in the car, we were like, I bet he's coming home with us eventually. So uh, we fought it for a little while, but you know how all that works out sometimes. Yeah, one of our (laughs) other guests calls that a foster fail. Yes, (laughs) yes. Wow, Molly and Rocco had quite a different start in life than you would expect for a therapy dog. Just like Molly and Rocco, God gives us a second chance too. If you want to hear more from Jill Powell. Listen to her podcast at godandourdogs.com forward slash listen. And that's show number 112. Our last stories and insights about dogs with jobs are from Cliff Wheeler. Let's listen now to some of what Cliff has to say about the cow dogs from his youth. Tell us about your cow dog team of Blackie and Spot. Blackie and Spot were the first dogs that uh, I can remember. And Blackie may have come as a Christmas gift. Uh I'm not sure about that, but uh, something makes me think that. Anyway, he was uh, the one I was closest to, and Spot came along a couple of years later. And then they were our main uh, dogs, I guess, during my six to eight years old up to maybe 15 years old. Mm -hmm. They uh, were cattle. They would uh, help us find wounded deer. We could go coon hunting or bobcat hunting with them. But we were close in uh, just friendship. How a youngster out in the country can have a dog. Uh, probably the first two books I read were O Yeller and uh-huh. Savage Sam, which were yeah. about dogs. And uh, we got to live 
that life. We were very fortunate. So did you have Blackie first and then Spot? Yes. Blackie was the first one, and uh, so we were naturally probably closer to him. And he was a good dog in in working cattle and stuff and uh, would go with us everywhere, good Mm -hmm. companion. Uh, You know, he just had, or you could see the unconditional love he had for us to do, to try to please everything that he Mm -hmm. could. He had an unfortunate experience you were telling me about as a puppy, didn't he? As far as a run-in yeah. with a cow? <laughs> yeah, we were at the ranch one day and uh, when he was, was young, and it probably made him a better cow dog because uh, he got uh, hooked by one and thrown into a pear bush, I remember. Oh. And, uh, so that uh, from then on, he, he worked them uh, very uh, diligently and, and was a very good cow dog. And when did Spot come along? He was probably two or three years later, and we're real creative on the names. Blackie was black and Spot was spotted, but uh, <laughs> he was a lot bigger dog, and uh, they worked together. You know, they were a team uh, pretty much uh, when we worked together mm-hmm. uh, or we went coon hunting or bobcat hunting. Mm-hmm. They were always together, and, and it's talking about God and friendship. You know, God created us for relationships, and Mm -hmm. that's a a great illustration of it, that we all need uh, relationships, and and dogs are a good good start for us to build those relationships. Yeah, and um, Cliff, it's kind of neat, too, to think about them working as a team because they had their own relationship. They got along well and worked together well and lived out their purpose. It sounds like they were pretty purpose-driven, too. Yes, they were. And uh, going through life, you see that, you know, we that's one reason God made us was for a purpose. And, mm-hmm. and we need to figure out our purpose, which is mainly worshiping Him and, and living for Him. But He has us all specific things for us to do. And if we don't find that, we usually end up in trouble yeah. uh, going down the wrong road. Cliff's dogs show us sometimes our job is not about the work. It's about relationship with those around us and also with God. The relationship with God is the one purpose we all have. If you want to hear more wisdom from Cliff Wheeler, go to GodInOurDogs.com forward slash listen and it's show number 119. All of these stories show me we all have a purpose and a role to play in life. Sometimes those purposes and roles are clear. Sometimes we need to repurpose or find a purpose we never knew we had. Regardless of what job or purpose we have, God loves us all, and our main purpose is to love God and enjoy Him forever. So, that leads me to a thought to ponder. Yes, P-A-W-N-D-E-R. Looking back on my life, I can see how God didn't waste any job I had. In fact, he wove them all together into what I'm doing now, and I couldn't be happier than here on God and Our Dogs. So my thought to ponder is really two thoughts. How can I show gratitude for the tapestry God wove for me? And how can I help others see the tapestry God is weaving for them right now? Let me know what you think after pondering. Email stories at godandourdogs.com. This is Meg Greer, and you've been listening to God and Our Dogs. 
I appreciate all of you and thank you for joining us. Listen to God and Our Dogs again on your favorite podcast site. If you have a neat story about God and your dog, send an email to stories at godandourdogs.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn on God and Our Dogs or hashtag God and Our Dogs for all of our posts. Please join me next week for God and Our Dogs for some new perspective for relying on God the way our dogs rely on us. Discover a new perspective. God and our dogs. God and our dogs.com.